Hello, everyone. Welcome to Ariel's Insights. This is where we discuss philosophy that presents the possibility of informing our humanity. And uh, today we are talking about a very, very important thing in all our lives, especially if you live in the 21st century. And unless you've been living in a literal cave, something we like to call technology. It's in the palm of our hands. It's in front of our screens. You know, it's it's ubiquitous in our in our world today. There's there's no escaping it. I mean, even if you wanted to go back to being a Luddite and any any kind of money that you want to make, every kind of employer expects you to have some form of technology to exist in the world today, whether it's an email address, a cell phone, uh, all of this stuff. It's just essential to, to the way that we're living. I mean, even if you're a farmer, you need some form of technology. Even if you want to go, you know, be live out out there somewhere in the wild, like if something really bad happens, you still need that phone next to you just in case of emergency services. Or 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 else, I don't know, you you can try living without technology, but good luck with that in the 21st century. So, uh here here are just some some of my thoughts on technology. Uh, I I grew up as an introvert, and for me, technology was a godsend, honestly, because, you know, having that kind of control that I love with technology, you know, one of my favorite forms of technology were like games in the form of either video games or computer games, because it gave me that sense of control that I didn't have, you know, in the world out there. And uh, I, I've had fun with my technology. And technology never judged me. So now I think the biggest question now with technology is how do we control our technology instead of our technology controlling us? And I really think that this platform, Fireside, can, you know, give those who are voices that we hardly hear, maybe those marginalized voices out there marginalized people out there. It can give them a voice. And also with our technology, we see it a lot in social media. There are very, very nasty elements out there. And when voices that are growing a following, whether they're uh, marginalized or not, like really nasty elements can come out of the woodwork, like people who either troll or dox. And how do we keep those nastier elements of our technology world, either with people who are really not that good with technology or just getting introduced to it? How do we keep the nastiness out of, you know, the technology we use and how I live our lives? And that brings me to my guest, Sass, who is the U, who's running for the U.S. House of Representatives in Texas and he's going to talk more about like laws and our technology and how it's going to pertain more to our modern world and what we do. Hey, thanks for having me on, Ariel. Always love uh, coming on your shows. This is fantastic. Um, yeah. So, so one one of the things um, I, I I think this all started. I just posted on Twitter like 
um, you know, the, the nature of, of human connection has changed thanks to technology. And, you know, that kind of spiraled into a bigger conversation about um, how a lot of our representatives still live in the 20th century. Um, you know, we saw what happened when Mark Zuckerberg and all these other big tech CEOs testified in front of Congress. I mean, it was, it was embarrassing for everybody. Uh, I mean, we had senators who were like asking about why their campaign emails went to spam when they had, you know, some of the people's richest, some of the richest people in the world in front of them who, you know, in a big antitrust thing going on. Um, and so, so it, I mean, first and foremost is that we do need better representation in Congress, right? We do need representatives who live in the information age and can actually address some of the issues that we're going to talk about today. Um, and, and I'll also add, uh, it's kind of, kind of funny or, or kind, kind of ironic almost, um, out of the thousands of Texans that I've talked to, uh, throughout this campaign, I'd say that, um, the majority of people who have said that they're sick of all the old people in Congress and want somebody young like me in there are all over 60 years old. Uh, so, so, so people are ready for some fresh faces. Um, but I, I think one of the things we need to highlight is that, there are pros and cons. Um, there are, as, as Ariel was talking about, like, you know, for him, uh, there are some parts of tech that, that were a godsend for him. And, um, and, and tech, technology has also allowed a lot of people who, who previously were homebound or, or whatever, or maybe, um, you know, minorities or, or disenfranchised um, who to, to find communities that they weren't able to find, uh, particularly uh, queer folks and, and, and people with disabilities um, but at the same time, we've also seen how the profit motive of our media from Fox to Facebook, but I mean, social media, I think is the highlight of it is uh, how that, how that's led to this incredible polarization and echo chambers and amplifying of, of anger. Um, you know, these companies, they're trying to make the most money they can and that it is nothing. And they found that the best way to do that. And this is true. You can, you can measure this. There've been studies on this, the best response you're going to get out of people or the most, the most engaged response you're going to get out of people is by leveraging anger. Um, and so to make the most money, they make us angry and angry at each other. Um, and, 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 uh, yeah. And so, uh, and that leads to more division, um, uh, which, you know, combined with some of our other systems that, that help divide us, uh, or that, that exasperate our divisions, um, you know, separates us from each other. Um, and, uh, I think that, that we need to have, there are some smarter ways we can go about technology and how we approach these issues, um, that bring us together rather than pull us apart. Yeah, um, about that. It's just not not getting caught in these anger traps. And I think that's so important. And also, Sass, what do you think? Should there be some kind of, um, you, you know, you know, like, if I wanted to get into university, I couldn't just like walk into a university and say like, hey, I'm here in UCLA or Harvard. And I'm just taking these classes. It's like they, 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 they see what test scores you got, what grades you got. Not everybody gets into places like USC, Harvard, and UCLA, unless we did have that college admission scandal, which like kind of shocked the nation when we found out about it. Like all the kids of like really, really privileged white collar job holders got to the front of the line and got to cheat the system. And then their parents got in trouble for that. But it's like, should there be some kind of technology assessment kind of requirement 
for people who are going into government. Like if, if a person wants to become a congressman or a representative and they don't even know how to like freaking open up Gmail and write an email to somebody, I mean, should that be something that we're looking at here? Yeah, I um I don't think that barriers to entry for running for uh, representation are is the right move. Um, the the real the real answer is um, empowering voters uh, of of all ages and demographics. Um, and there are there are a variety of ways we can do that. The the actually the most important one mechanically, if you because we again we can model and measure these kinds of things, is the voting method. Um, and we don't we're not we don't have to get too deep into that today, but. Um, star voting and approval voting are ways that we can increase the power of the vote to get better representation in office without the vote splitting that we currently see. Um, actually, and this is one of the things too, uh, uh, you know, I was just saying, you don't want to raise the barriers to entry for running for office, but if you lower them, you can actually, it can actually backfire because usually that leads to more good candidates running, which leads to more vote splitting among good candidates, which gives an edge to polarizing candidates uh, so, so that's why we need to change this voting method. Um, but ways that we can leverage technology to, to get more people involved, I think is a more appropriate thing to, to consider. Um, you know, not only do we need to increase, of course, early voting and, 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 uh, mail-in voting, um, but there is a path toward electronic voting. Uh, this is an incredibly complex issue and I want to recognize the validity of that, uh, when it comes to election security. Um, for anybody who's, you know, kind of squirming, hearing me talk about electronic voting, I just want to quickly say, if we add electronic voting um, to everything we currently have, we're not getting rid of anything and only have it during early voting. And so we can treat, uh, so if something goes wrong, we can void votes and tell people to go to the polls and vote on election day, then uh, election day can count as the ultimate paper backup. And uh, we can talk, I can talk about that more at another time. Uh, but we can leverage technology like that. Um, I was just talking to a guy last night who's building a platform uh, in, in a way sort of like uh, combining social media with like a, a political pack. Um, but instead of having like a central board that decides where the money goes, um, it's the members who decide where the money goes. And also as well as like consolidating votes of like if there are multiple similar candidates in a district, they can um, kind of connect with each other and compare and contrast directly and facilitate conversations and have like almost their own primary, their own unsanctioned primary off the side before um, the the actual elections start coming around. Um, and so they can consolidate resources and they could just pick one candidate to, to rally behind. Um, and I mean, we're also looking at things like liquid democracy, uh, where like proxy voting, um, and where, where people can choose to have somebody else vote on their behalf. And even if we don't use that in actual elections, we can, we can create quantifiable continuous public citizen feedback loops, um, that, that, uh, measure the performance of, of representatives, uh, particularly based on their votes in legislation. Um, and then we can, like I said, we can leverage that proxy voting to get more people hooked into the system and involved. So there are a variety of ways that we can use technology to hold our representatives and our government more accountable and to make them more representative of who we are, what our needs are. And I think that that is really mechanically like the better way to approach getting representatives who actually understand technology is basically just getting representatives who actually represent the people.
Right, right. To integrate with the technology that we're so used to and that's so ubiquitous around us. I, I feel that it's amazing that so many like corporations are like using technology, like, you know, you want something to eat, Uber eats, you want to get somewhere, just, you know, Uber or Lyft, you, you want to do your taxes. Uh, there's, there's technology for that. You want to send money over. I mean, money is like a really big deal. It's a, it's a really, uh, uh, people get really emotional over their accounts and how much money they have. And it's all done through technology. So when I think that, that we've integrated so many parts of our society and our lives into this technology that we rely on this technology for our reputation, for our food, even in our homes, like the smart bulb or th this, you know, controlling how your thermostat from your phone, controlling your lights from your phone, controlling your uh, security system from from your phone with those ring. You, you know, you, you can be in like Fiji and your house can be in like Nebraska and you can see who rang your doorbell all the way from Fiji at your house in Nebraska. So you're telling me we can do all of this with our technology. Boom, 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 boom. It's streamlined. It's efficient. It's, 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 uh, you know, it's protected. It's not hackable. It's, it's secure. And yet, like our, the one thing that we rely on for the foundation of what we're doing sometimes in our lives with our voting and who represents us and how we get represented that they're behind the eight ball. You're telling me these, the, the government that works with our military to protect us, that do the, like for our taxes, that makes our roads, that, that provides like the DMV, like our passports and our IDs, they're behind the eight ball when it comes to all of this technology and the, the, the corporations are just eating their lunch. I think that's something that we really, really got to look into and we really got to be more cognizant of the fact that they have to speed up to, you know, the century that we're living in right now. Yeah, prioritization is definitely an important piece of this puzzle. Um, we, we've certainly seen the, our, our federal government fall behind of the private industry in terms of, in terms of technology, as well as other countries, uh, China is getting very ahead of us on, uh, in, in a variety of ways on technology because the national government is investing, is investing in it at a level that the private industry just can't match. Um, and, uh, I mean, you could, there are so many different ways to perceive that. I mean, one of them is a national security issue. Um, I mean, you know, it depends how much, I mean, we, we are still a superpower in the world and it's important that, that that our that our country stays secure, um, but we're we're not is what it, really what it comes down to. Um, and when you have representation that lives in the 20th century, of course, they're not going to put uh, a priority on cybersecurity. Um, I actually believe that we should have another branch of the military, the cyber force. Um, of course, I do want to highlight this would coincide with a reduction in spending on the military. So I'm not trying to to raise how much money we spend on the military. Just want to be very clear about that. But, uh, but, but we don't have a, a we don't have a dedicated, um, branch to this incredibly important domain, um, in, in security. Uh, and so, and, and there are other things that, that they can do too. Um, you know, I talk about, I've talked about before that, uh, I believe our military should shift their focus to domestic civil service. Um, and we could have a cyber force that helps to secure our elections better and supports uh, local municipalities in, in getting that stuff uh, and making that stuff happen. 
Um, and if we, if we actually, you know, pay the salaries that we should be paying, um, then we can absolutely draw people from the private industry. And so long as we create, you know, places that are good to work and we give incentives and people feel like they're actually doing something positive. There are a lot of, there are a lot of guys in Silicon Valley right now who are, um, like struggling with, with like, with what they're doing because they know that, um, they're literally working toward, uh, getting teenagers addicted to, uh, smartphones and they see it viscerally because they're engineering it. And that's why they don't allow their kids to have, to be on social media or they don't give them smartphones. Um, and so we could give dealer them never tries their, uh, just, just really quick before I lose this thought, just like how the drug dealer never tries his own product is kind yeah. of, like- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause the drug dealer knows how bad it is and they've seen it. And so if we can, if we can instead direct that energy towards something more positive, um, I think that that is a role that the government can play. But again, we, we need the people who are actually going to make it. Yeah, 100%. Like, like we, we need that gumption. We need the, 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 the thing here. And I mean, I think, I think that we have like, so, like, the, I think this thing has become so uh, rampant of this technology use with like short attention spans. It's like we, we started this thing at like one uh, uh, PM and it's great. We've been, we, we've been having this audience as long as we've had it so they can listen to more of this conversation and understand more of these things because in this, you know, TikTok, Instagram reels kind of world that we live in, people want their Big Mac of information or their, you know, drive through kind of information, fast food kind of world we live in that if people can't get their information in like two, three minutes or less, they jump out and they leave. And I think the beauty of long form content and the beauty of these long form uh, conversations is that people people can stay, people can understand, and people can kind of think more. And I think if we've shifted our our uh, ourselves more in that direction of the long form kinds of things, that uh, uh, you know our technology is going to help us more. And it doesn't have to be something that eats away at our attention spans and just distracts us. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, convenience is always going to trump, you know, everything. I, I, I now say that uh, the solution needs to be more convenient than the problem. Um, but you're right, though, that there is a demand for long form content. Uh, and of course, Joe Rogan is, is the pinnacle example or the prime example, I should say, of, of that. And, um, you know, I mean, but, but it, I, I will say this, though, like, it feels like we never saw it coming. You know what I mean? Like, we never had, when, when radio was invented, there was a national conversation around, okay, we're now going to have this new form of communication. What is like, what does this mean for us? If it culturally and societally, like how should we like think about this? What should we do about it? And, and there were, there were legal frameworks put in place to regulate it and, and things like fairness doctrine to ensure that uh, that up that you know, if you ever had an opinion piece, that you would give equal time to opposing viewpoints, um, and that was like legally required. And 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 you know, some things we did right, some things we did wrong, but at least we we talked about it and we had a conversation about it. And we did things about it with social media and with the internet as a whole. Like we never had that national conversation. Uh, we just dove right in head first, and now we're seeing the consequences of it. And. Uh, we we now have an entire generation of people who uh, are experiencing the negative effects of of this 
kind of digital separation. Um, I mean, we, we've seen that, that, you know, the number of close friends that people have has gone down over the last few decades um, that for young people, uh, you know, plus like marriages and, and relationships and, um, you know, so many things uh, we, we are, we are measurably less connected in the real world. Um, and that is having effects on people as we see depression rates and suicide rates go up. Uh, and so it, you know, it's like, all right, it's never too late to have the conversation, but we need to have it. Um, and I think it's only just beginning. And uh, I, 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 I'm excited to talk more about some of the things that we can do to, to help uh, facilitate that conversation and actually do something about it. And I just like to give a shout out to uh, our audience here, Brian, Christian, Victoria, and Kate. I think, I think it's, it's funny because when Kate talks about sustainability, I think that the sustainability uh, of our, of our mental health is just as important as the sustainability of our environment. So it's, it's the sustainability of our world's environment with the pollution. But what about our mental environment? What about the sustainability of our mental environment? So we're not, you know, o o overloaded with like news. You know, you, you live in the times in the past and you walk next to someone and maybe they give you a piece of bad news and you're like, oh, that sucks. You know, oh, that sucks. Like maybe two pieces of bad news per day from like a friend before the age of Facebook. Now you open up the computer and you go to like, yeah, whatever news. And it's a, a constant bombardment of the world being on fire of the world ending of people going nuts and this and that. And like, you know, you didn't, I don't, I don't know about like some of the older people in our audience, but I don't think they had that kind of insanity growing up when they just open up a screen and just be bombarded by like bad news. You know, you know, it's, and, and then when you grow up in this new age is maybe like Gen Z and they have that, what is that on the effects of mental health and how people think and what they do? Because what goes through your eyes and ears, whether it's a screen or whether it's out there in the world, like that matters. So, you know, that being said, anybody who has uh, questions for SAS and his run for, uh, you know, the House of Representatives in Texas, anything about technology, I welcome you to, you know, request the stage and ask your questions. But other than that, like, Sass, if you have, yeah, keep going on. This is, this is awesome. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it's like, like we said at the beginning, like pros and cons. Um, there are a lot of voices that are being heard now that were never heard before. And that's been very powerful. And it's brought attention to a lot of issues that we didn't previously understand. Um, big example, 2020, um, you know, I mean, or like leading up to 2020, all the videos of police brutality, like that's always been happening, but we just didn't see it. Um, and so, and so there's, there's that pro side to it, but you're right in that it is an, it is, it is too much and we do have uh, a capacity and, and we get overloaded. Um, and so this is, this is where I want to start taught, like, again, like having a deeper conversation. Um, and this is where, where my idea around, uh, the concept of digital countries comes in. So Facebook has over 2 billion active users, um, Facebook is a country and they're not the only ones. So is Twitter and Reddit, Instagram, right? TikTok, YouTube, the list goes on. And I, I think, um, you know, there's been this whole thing around like freedom of speech um, and like, and like these platforms banning people. And um, 
you know, if you if you look at at the legality of it and and like the wording, like the First Amendment does not say freedom of speech. It says that the the state cannot take your your speech away from you. Um, and so legally, no, these platforms aren't doing anything wrong. But I also want to recognize that this is how we speak now. This is where our speech comes from, um, and that that we are on these platforms. And so we need to think, you know, in a new way about how to approach this. And so I think the the real answer, or I think I think a workable solution, I should say, is I believe the United Nations should recognize some of these big platforms as digital countries. And one of the things that that will do is it will give the United Nations power to uh, affect them or, or power, power to, to affect them like they do countries. Um, so for example, the United Nations has a, like, a literal list of human rights for physical countries. Um, the United Nations can also write a list of, of rights for uh, citizens in digital countries, right? Digital citizen rights. Um, and, and we can, and I don't think that the United States should have all of the say over, uh, you know, what they should be. So that's why I do believe it should be a global conversation. I don't think our culture should be forced everywhere, but ideas around like, what could some of these rights look like, uh, clear and, um, and, an understandable, uh, presentation, of community guidelines, right? What is and is not allowed on the platform, right? That could be a requirement. No matter what country the platform is operating in, it has to give that clarity. Uh, you can have rights around privacy and data and personal data and security. Um, I mean, there, there are so many different routes and paths that can be taken, but we can, we can have these discussions around, um, around speech and, and, and what we should, you know, what these platforms should have to do. And if the if the United Nations United Nations gets behind it, then you've got a lot of big countries, wealthy countries um, that actually have the power to influence these corporations uh, to to comply with mm-hmm. with uh, you know these digital citizen rights. So I think that this is an an interesting thing to think about and consider and have a right, like especially like when we're in you know school, like we never learn uh, in school what is a legal contract. What are these terms of service? What do we do? I mean, I mean, you get you get an iPhone from the Apple Store, and I'm pretty sure that even the uh, even the Genius Bar doesn't go through what the terms of service are or anything like that. They just say, "Oh, just scroll down and hit I agree." Here, we're just going to bombard you with all these words you may not even heard of or don't even recognize, or you don't you don't even have the time and the patience in your short day where you have to get all this done to agree to anything like this. And it's called like click wrap or something like that. I don't, I don't know some phrase for it, but it's like, what 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 is this? Why are we, you know, let out into the world as not knowing what terms of service even mean or or what happened or how someone can violate it or or you know any of those things it's like we're 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 sent into a world where we're digitally ignorant because our our parents and teachers didn't grow up with this technology and they're learning about this technology just as we did when we were younger. So if terms of service do get violated or we don't even know what they mean or where they're coming from, uh, uh, you know, you know, there's there, there, there has to be some kind of education on this stuff, which I just find it ridiculous that we just have to learn as we go and you can get burnt 
when you learn as you go. It's 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 the school. I, I like people say like, yeah, I graduated from the school of hard knocks. But isn't the reason why we have actual education that all our taxpayer money goes into anyway is to maybe avoid a little bit of those hard knocks and become more uh, efficient in being citizens? Why would we spend so much money on these places called schools if they're not preparing us for the future? <laughs> like, you know? Yeah, and you know, and it's so interesting too, you know, talking about education here. Of course, um, our education you know, our public K-12 in the U.S., as well as secondary education the world over is is, um, is very flawed in a lot of ways. It's not preparing us for the modern world. Um, in the U.S., it's, it's certainly preparing us for either, um, you know, to be subordinates um, or to go to the uh, or to go straight to prison or to go into the military. And that's the, that those are the three options, basically. Um, but with the. Um, and talking about about you know education though is like also this 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 concept that like education ends at twenty two or twenty five or eighteen years old like that's nonsense. <laughs> education should be a lifelong journey, and um, there are a variety of ways that we can make that happen. You know, for some people the the face to face is really important, but for others we can leverage the technology and those kinds of resources to connect people together and find where they should be going. Right? If we if we start to rethink education and, and um, you know, how we prioritize and what we allow people to do and give people more choice and control over what they learn, then we can leverage technology to connect people together um, to, to be able to learn the things that they want to learn. I mean, another thing, too, is this idea of teachers and students as separate entities, but in reality, we're all teachers and we're all students. And if we took that attitude, um, you know, then I, I think we can really build something pretty phenomenal to help people learn about, you know, all the things that, that we're missing. Uh, again, everybody, I'm, I'm talking with SAS, just for those of you who have just arrived. I say hello, Lily. Hello, Joy. Hello, Boyce, about uh, technology. He is the U. Uh, he's running for the Texas House of uh, Representatives. And, uh, yeah, like, these are, these are the conversations that we just don't, you know, uh, uh, have enough. And when we have more of these conversations and we talk more of this stuff, we're more informed and we know more. So if any of you have a question for SAS, have a question about technology, I, I invite, you know, I invite you to ask, but so far this is, this is awesome because I, I have, let me ask SAS for myself. Have, do you have access to the political goings on in Texas right now and know if some of your legislatures or anyone like that are bringing these things up or have you just heard like silence and crickets? Um, yeah. So uh, first, first of all, real quick, uh, I'm running for U S house of representatives, but I live in, oh, Texas, okay. so it's no, I know it's a hard thing to keep track of. And like, it's, it's easy to get that confused. So you're totally good. Um, so I will say generally, uh, nobody's talking about it. And this isn't just in Texas. This is all over the country. Most representatives are not addressing these issues, whether we're talking about state level or federal level. Um, and, and I really do, I will say at the state level, um, I mean, there's, there's some conversation going on in California. Like there, there's some really cool like digital privacy rights that are happening right now um, in California, which is great. Um, but because these companies, you know, your Facebooks, your Googles um, are so big, it is it is difficult for states to do much about it, um, 
And and it really is it's like these conversations start at the federal level and like I said, should move up to a global level. Um, just because of how massive these corporations are and how much power and influence they have. So um, as much as I would love to see more people talking about it at the state level, um, I do want to recognize that that uh, a lot of outside of maybe education, um, a lot of the stuff we've been talking about really does start with with national conversations. Right, right. It's like I think it it starts as 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 easy as saying, what are your rights? as a digital citizen, because I, I think that's what we're turning into, especially now that the, the analog times are gone, they're, they're dead and gone. And now our digital profiles and our digital footprints can make or break, not just our careers, but our lives. I mean, you've seen it with, you know, celebrities, like when Paula Dean said the N word, you can argue that that was, you know, on television but that that broke her career one small little misstep in the digital world or or what you put up there or something that is just even associated with you maybe you didn't say it but people think that you're friends with this person online you know and then and then they relate something to you and then there goes your reputation there goes your career or you accidentally click on no instead of yes in some kind of user agreement and maybe like that, 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 that gets like rid of like years and years of work that you put into and poof, it's gone. And then the corporation controls all of it and you can't get it back. But, but that was your livelihood. I mean, it's insane. Like you're, you're, you're like, it can make or break your life. I mean, this is important. This is some real talk. And with that, uh, I'd like to go to Brian. Do you have a question or a comment? Thank you for coming up. Uh, yes. Hey, uh, native Houstonian here. So, so yay, Texas. <clears throat> um, uh, but I, I really, I wanted to kind of get to hear your stance on, I, I mean, I hear what you're saying about technology and the uses of it and how the, the benefits of it and the benefits of continuing education and evolving, you know, with technology evolving rapidly all the time, it's a, I agree with you. It's, it's always a continuous education. I, I think that is with everything we do, but what, how much do you do we sit there and look at uh, do we do we say we blame on technology and then lean on technology as the answer because it, it's it's kind of like a very delicate scale because it, it it like tends to sway whichever way is benefiting whoever you know whoever's on that side of of the scale right so when when do we say that we take responsibility aside from technology before using it yeah, that's a great question. Um, and again, this goes, you know, this goes back to like, you know, some things have been have been positive, some of have been negative, um, you know, and, and um, it's an interesting concept of like, you know, how much should we lean on technology to fix the problems of technology? And we have seen that working in some spaces. So for example, um, like app screen time controls and limits um, have been very helpful for some people to, to get get away from their phone a little bit more. Uh, we look at like, um, you know, uh, distracted driving has gone up, but uh, this, but technology is also, you know, can also help us to bring that back down with do not disturb while driving, uh, as well as eventually driverless vehicles. Um, and so, uh, but, but I think you do highlight a good point is like, not necessarily everything is going to be solvable with technology. Um, you know, 
at some at some level like that that face to face human connection is is really important and really necessary and it's going to be a really long time um if ever that 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 gets replaced um by by human technology uh, just a real quick thing we have more than five senses um so we have the five classical senses but there are plenty of others um and and trying to replicate some of those over over the internet is is uh, very close to impossible um, in an organic way. Um, so, so yeah, some things are going to have to ultimately be about spending less, less time connected. Um, and I mean, we can get creative and think about like, um, using technology to create incentives for people to get away from technology in kind of this weird inverse way. Um, I mean, we've seen how just like a little red notification icon can, can motivate people, uh, quite a bit. And so, uh, you know, I mean, you, you can leverage that in, in interesting ways. I've thought about um, creating uh, an app uh, where, uh, where, where it leverages those same kinds of things. Uh, and but you can like earn things in the app, but only by actually going out and volunteering at a food bank or something, right? Like doing actual real things in the physical world um, that make the world a better place. Basically getting people addicted to making the world a better place. So there are really interesting ideas around this. Um, and so it, I guess it also depends on interpretation of like, okay, well, in that case, how much are you leaning on technology? If at the end of the day, you're doing most of everything outside of it. Um, but, but I think um, there's no simple straight answer. I think, I think it is a, a, a good question to ask and there are deep complex ways of thinking about it and that those ways of thinking about it will evolve as our technology evolves. Right. We, we have to evolve and adapt with our technology is basically, I think the best kind of idea also just just in general if anybody asked a question and even and and after you're done you could still like stay up and talk about what you thought of the answer to the question but i'm just saying like for anybody because if 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 the stage is not full uh, yeah it's it's okay to stay up but there's there's one other thing that i i'd like to say is that i think we should encourage more uh mindful uses of technology than mindless uses of technology and i think that makes like a big difference and what what I, what i mean by that is that i think i think a mindless use of technology and i mean guilty as charged i used to do this is just i i went on the internet and i had like a really really big idea in my head that i wanted everyone to know about and then i just went in and then i seeked out the people who didn't agree with me just to go like oh how can you not agree like look look at all the evidence i have and then you know they'd send you a youtube link and you'd send them a youtube link and then you say but the evidence says this and it's exhausting and it doesn't get anyone anywhere for you and for them that's kind of like my my thought of a mindless use or another mindless use of technology is when i just scroll you know um with no goal in mind <laughs> just just mindlessly scroll and nothing really happens now let's let's uh, a, a mindful use of technology personally for me is when i'm actually doing something that's productive like i'm working towards a goal I'm sending out an email blast. I'm writing an article that's really important. Or right here, I'm, I'm learning something. I'm doing like a fireside chat. So I think it's not just you're either on technology or you're off technology. Is like even when you're on technology, are you being mindless or are you being mindful? And that's something to think about in and of itself. 
Yeah, that's actually that's a really good point, um, and we can we can frame that in this the the the, the digital citizen rights concept of like okay these you know these digital countries like is as a concern of public health of international public health um that you know they have to there's a they have to tweak their algorithms in a certain way like or prohibiting certain certain um like incentives with with algorithms or, or the way that that content is delivered and and I don't believe that that is like blocking free speech or whatever I I think that it's like we can ban we can we can ban these things like we we absolutely can't we banned chemical weapons and biological weapons we're on our way to banning um, nuclear weapons um, we've, uh, we've had a majority of, of countries uh, agree to that um, like and and there's no reason that we can't do the same thing within algorithms and like yes it's easy to say like oh well trying to, to ban an algorithm is like trying to ban an idea it's impossible well if you're talking about uh, a platform that already has you know, tens of millions of users on it. Um, you know, there's momentum with this with these companies. They've been around for a while. They and they can't they can't hide, right? And so uh, you know, they can't they can't get away from it. Um, and so yeah, maybe small platforms may have some of these more harmful things in them. But by the time that they grow to a certain size, uh, they won't be able to to hide away from it anymore. And and there will that you know we will have the power collectively as as a global community to ensure that that massive platforms don't have these just incredibly negative incentives. I, I think I think make it a digital democracy because I think among the platforms that we use, they're digital dictatorships. You know, it's the CEOs and the shareholders and it's just weaponizing our own attention and our own ignorance against us. You know what I mean? So if we if we if we get this idea of like no taxation without representation or maybe like no, you know, going on a platform without representation, you know, the 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 people have a right to know as 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 we like to say in the United States, we have a right to know. We have a right to know how are these algorithms working and how are these algorithms manipulating us and we should all have uh, a, a, first a right to know and then a digital democracy, which would be like a right to vote. This is the way that this platform wants to organize its algorithm. This is the way this platform wants to put people up in the suggested, you know, folder. And, and who, and how, how do they do this? How do they tweak their algorithm and how do they put the people suggested or not suggested? And if we don't like that as digital citizens, we should have a vote on how the algorithm works or how the algorithm doesn't work. And if they don't and if they want to act like a dictatorship and not honor that vote of how we think the algorithm should work, we, we, we let that we make that known and we, we protest or we or we do something at the end of the day. Yes, it is the founder of that technology. And since they made it, it can be their decision or the decision of their programmers. But we let them know that we're not happy with them weaponizing our own ignorance or own anything against us. We, we make it loud and clear. Yeah, actually, I really like um, the way you've, you framed uh, you know, taxation without representation. We are being taxed. We're being taxed with our attention and with our data. Um, and they're, they're taking that from, the, from us, but we don't have representation. And, and a dictatorship is exactly 
is exactly accurate. And, and I have thought a little bit about this before. Facebook has made, developed like their own Supreme Court that's supposedly separate, but I, I still say Mark Zuckerberg has no reservations about making the calls at the end of the day, no matter what, and overriding anything. Um, but but you're absolutely right. Uh, and 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 again, this is this is the part why I think making this a a having the backing of the, of the UN is really important because to because I do think it is because of of how integrated these platforms are into our lives and how much they affect us. I think it is reasonable for the United Nations to say, we don't care that you started out as a private business. We're telling you what to do because it's affecting the planet in a negative way and it's affecting people in a negative way. And, 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 and we are going to do this and we're going to set the expectations in the future for future platforms of like, okay, if you want to get in this business, then, you know, if you reach a certain size, you're going to have to start to comply with some of these things. Um, and it's really no different from other existing regulations, right? So, you know, things around like um, child sex, sexual abuse material, like there are all sorts of laws about that and what can be allowed on a platform in, in different countries. And so I think that, that this can be framed in a similar way. I don't think it's stepping on like the freedom of the companies or whatever. I think it's about the interest of people at large and grappling with this new technology and viewing it in a different way, in a different light. Um, and like you said, there are absolutely plenty of different, really cool ways that we can that we can leverage um, democratic principles um, on in, in digital. Right. I I think this is like we've hit the forty five minute mark, and I I just I just think this was like a perfect place to to put this all. Uh, Sass, tell to so if people want to keep this up and understand what to do or what your thought or, and where to find you and how to help you, uh, uh, just give out your, you know, uh, socials or website or anything like that. And then I'll close it out. Yeah. So, uh, my website is vote for sas.com V O T E F O R S A S S.com. That's the central hub. You can get to any, everything and anything from there. Um, so whether you want to find my social media, so Twitter is at SAS official Instagram, uh, vote for SAS. I have a sassy squad on Facebook, um, as well as a couple other. I have a YouTube channel on there. Um, it's SAS for Congress, and you can find the link on there as well. Um, you can read about my platform and policies. I'm actually about to have a big update soon uh, with huge updates um, for with a, with a lot more stuff, and including this conversation about digital countries. Um, there's uh, you can donate on there. Of course, uh, you know I definitely need donations. Um, and, uh, I mean, you can connect with me publicly or privately. You can send me a DM through my website or you, or through any social media, or you can just tag me on social media, but vote for sas.com V O T E F O R S A S S.com. That's the central hub. Go there and you'll find everything you look. Nice. All right. I put that in the fortune cookie. Uh, people can click on the fortune cookie and they'll just click on that. They don't even need to type it out and they'll get to where you are. So again, that was voteforsass.com. And uh, thank you everybody for participating in this conversation about Fireside Chat Mind You Show, uh, Ariel's Insights episode 19 about technology. Uh, episode 20 will uh, be a surprise. Uh, I don't know where that's going to be on yet. And uh, yeah, uh, have a have a great rest of your day, everyone. And yeah, any. Thank you. All right.